Oral questions by members? Member for Prince George Wilmont. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, another large crowd will gather on the front lawn of the Legislature today, and they are certainly not coming to celebrate the Premier's billion-dollar vanity museum project. No, in fact, they are going to be parents. They will be families, and there will be children, and they will be here to remind government that they are unable to get a family doctor in our province. Some of them are in the gallery today, including Camille Curry, whose petition has garnered over 42,000 signatures. Amanda Owens, who signed the petition, said, and I quote, it is absolutely disgusting that the government is willing to approve funding for a museum while we are in dire need of healthcare workers. Nurses and family doctors must be prioritized, end quote. So a simple question. Why on earth is a billion-dollar vanity project more important to this NDP government than British Columbians who are anxious, upset, and concerned that they cannot access a family doctor in this province? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, for five years and for the last uh, two years and three months during this pandemic, uh, no government and nobody given more priority to health care and to health care workers in this government. Honourable Speaker, there are 30,000 more people working in health care today than there were two years ago. And uh, this is an objective fact and demonstrates not the fact that we want necessarily more people working in health care because of itself, but because of the need to provide care. With respect to family practice doctors, in March 2020, we faced a fundamental question, which is how to deliver care. When the system was changing, when we had a pandemic on, when people were not able to visit their family practice doctors. And working with family practice doctors, we developed solutions, including new fee codes, that allow us to increase the number of visits from 18 million to 19,500,000 in two years. We did that in a virtual system that showed innovation and care. I'm very proud of the work of family practice doctors in this period, and we're going to continue to do that work with them to address the issues that they have in providing care in the community. The member will know, because the facts are simply the facts from Statistic Canada, that the number of people without a family practice doctor in BC doubled from 2003 to 2017, and that that work and the challenges facing uh, family practice specialty and family practice medicine are significant, and that's why we're doing the work we're doing to work with family practice doctors to, to develop lasting solutions to the issues they face, but more, more particularly to the issues of those who need family practice medicine in BC and need better primary care in our province. And that's why we're doing the work, as we've done throughout the pandemic, to address these issues step by step, working together with the, all healthcare workers and professionals across all disciplines. Member for Prince George Wilmont, supplemental. Well, thank you to the minister. And you know, day after day after day in this legislature, the minister gets up 
and fails to acknowledge the reality of family practice physicians and families in British Columbia. And he, if, if the minister wants to talk about objective facts, he should look in his own briefing book when it comes to the number of unattached patients, because I will quote from, from his briefing note that in 2017-2018, in the number of unattached patients was 776,000. And the minister can shake his head. His staff wrote this briefing note. Let's talk about some other objective facts. The priorities of this government are painfully clear. Massive raises for the Premier and Cabinet and a, and a billion dollar vanity museum project. Well, it may cause discomfort to members, but that is exactly what this government did. Members. The Minister of Health recently confirmed to us in a letter that urgent and primary care centres have attached less than 2%, less than 2% of the people who don't have a doctor in this province. Let's talk about objective facts shared directly with us by this minister. In the Premier's backyard, the West Shore UPCC has just one doctor of the 7.2 it is supposed to have. And the West Shore Community Health Centre has no health providers, only 1.2 administrative staff FTEs. Richmond's primary care network has been running for three years. It's supposed to have 32 full-time equivalent physicians. And for the, members, uh, for the minister's uh, information, it has one doctor. So how on earth can this premier and government continue to double down and move forward with a billion dollar vanity museum project when urgent and primary care centers don't even have the doctors that they are supposed to have? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, health care is and remains the priority of this government. And that's been demonstrated in substance, in substance from the beginning, Honourable Speaker. In substance from the beginning. And it goes across health care and family practice doctors know this better than anyone else. In long-term care, 85% of care homes didn't meet the government's own standard. We changed that by investing and giving urgency to it. In terms of surgical renewal, when we made the very difficult decision to uh, delay surgeries in March of 2020, we promised people we'd get those surgeries done, and we have, reducing surgical wait lists in those periods. When the whole primary care system was facing an enormous challenge, we worked together with family practice doctors to make changes that allowed us to maintain services during this period. Yes, we've added, in cooperation with divisions of family practice, 59 primary care networks. We've added urgent and primary care centers that have delivered 1,084,000 visits and largely in a time of pandemic when in-person visits were needed. Honourable Speaker, these are all steps and more steps are required. We've faced every single year, every single year since 2001, an increase in the number of people unattached to a family practice doctor. Uh, plans were put in place in the past, including in 2010, where one was promised for everybody. And those plans were abandoned, Honourable Speaker. Members, those plans members, were abandoned, Honourable members. Speaker, in the past. 
So we need an approach that works with family practice doctors to address the problems they have, that works with resident doctors to make family practice more attractive to them, and we are going to continue to work together with them in the same way we did on single site, on the same day we did on surgery, in the same way we did in long-term care, in the same day we, way we did during the pandemic. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. One in five British Columbians don't have a doctor, and the minister continues to try and deflect away from that fact. We have 250,000 additional unattached patients under this minister's watch. And it's no wonder that we have less than 2% of of, of this million people without a family doctor that have found any attachment in the UPCCs that this minister brags about. Because there are no doctors working at them. In the Abbotsford UPCC, there is half a doctor. Half. There are supposed to be six. In South Okanagan Similkameen's primary care network, there are seven nurse practitioners, but absolutely zero doctors out of the 6.4 approved physician FTEs. How can the Premier spend a billion dollars on a vanity museum project while there are UPCCs with no doctors in them? Minister of Health. Well, thank you very much, Honourable Chair. And, and, uh, as the member will know, in 2020, we uh, had a pandemic declared in BC. And the need, the need and the change and the transformation uh, in primary care that was required, urgently required, was significant. And urgent primary care centers were one part of that. And we have had 1,084,000 visits. And if the, if the members are suggesting it would be better if we hadn't had those 1,084,000, they're incorrect. We have established 59 primary care networks. Members, members, attached, order. We, we have 59 primary care networks that have attached 142,000 people. That is a fact, and that's the work of family practice doctors and the community. We've increased the family practice residency program to make it the biggest in Canada. We've made it the biggest in Canada. And what we need to do, it seems to me, Honourable Speaker, is continue our work with family practice doctors. That's what we do. That's how we've taken on these extraordinary health care challenges in this time of pandemic, in this time of the overdose public health emergencies, how we've taken on these challenges together. And we're going to continue to do that work, Honourable Speaker. And that means investing in primary care, not abandoning it. That means investing in surgical care, not abandoning it. That means, uh, that means building, building hospital projects in the member's constituency who's heckling, and the other member who's heckling, and the other member who's heckling. New hospital projects that demonstrate the priority of health care of this government, Honourable Speaker. We're just going to continue to do that work, working with our health care professionals and our health care teams who have served us with courage and integrity and professionalism in this pandemic. We're going to continue to work with them to keep working and resolving problems. Member for Kelowna Mission Supplemental. 
Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. While the Minister wants to brag about residency positions opened, he might want to actually confirm that those residency positions were filled. Because in speaking with some physicians this morning at breakfast, I learned for the first time in history of British Columbia, those residency positions were not filled. The UPCCs are ineffective, and it's time for this minister to recognize it. British Columbians are desperate and not buying the UPC way. The NDP think a billion-dollar vanity museum project is more important than the fact that one in five British Columbians don't have a family doctor. In the primary care network for White Rock and South Surrey, there are only 33% of the doctors that there are supposed to be. Samia Medler says, and I quote, we need to do better. Closing down emergency rooms and no walk-in clinics is a is ridiculous. We need doctors and nurses, end quote. Why on earth is the Premier spending a billion dollars on a vanity museum project when one in five British Columbians don't have a family doctor? Minister of Health. Oh, uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, I think uh, people in BC know this, that the effort of the BC health system over the last two and a half years has been exceptional. And we are focusing on continuing that work, on continuing to make improvements. The member talks about primary care networks, emergent primary care centers. Uh, the one in, that serves her constituency, at least the one in Kelowna, Honourable Speaker, uh, 25 positions, 25 filled, 78,815 visits. And so I note that that wasn't raised by the Honourable Member, but it is for people who live in her constituency. Members, members, member for Kamloops. Oh, uh, Honourable Speaker, I think uh, what we're seeing, Honourable Speaker, I understand the opposition is tied to its message boxes. I'm tied to getting answers for people. And so, members, Members, order. Members, members, members will come to order. Honourable Speaker, we have a system of primary care in BC that has been in need of reform for a long time. We need to deliver on team-based care, and we're doing that in partnership with family practice doctors. And we need to work to resolve the issues that they have in communities issues, fundamental issues of cost, of increasing complexity of patients that they are seeing in their communities, a fee-for-service system that inadequately reflects the work that is done by our family practice doctors every day. And we need to do that work together, not me declaring what we're going to do, but working with family practice doctors, and that's what we're going to continue to do. Leader of the third party. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and many of us were at the same breakfast this morning with family doctors, and I think what we heard was that doctors don't feel that they're being worked with or listened to particularly right now. One in five British Columbians do not have a family doctor, and many more are at risk of losing the doctor they have. And this government has done astonishingly little in this moment of crisis for longitudinal care. 
The reality is in this province, if you're a family doctor providing lifelong medical care, your relationship with your patient is not valued. Family doctors are burning out trying to meet the needs of their patients, but it's becoming harder and harder. Their solutions are not impossible. They're right there on the table if the Premier or the Minister of Health was willing to look at them. The family doctors have been consistent about what they need right now. They need overhead support to pay for rent and staff and administration. They need to work as a team and be supported in that. They need billing rates that reflect their 12 years of education, their value to the health of British Columbians. The minister talks about how new feed codes were brought in for virtual visits at the beginning of the pandemic. We don't have the ability for doctors to ad address the difference between a five-minute visit and a 25-minute visit for complex care. Mm -hmm. We don't even have a fee code yet, Honourable Speaker, for long COVID. The other thing that doctors need is that they need to work independently of this government's attempts of control. My question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Premier. What is he doing to support the family doctors who serve their patients outside of urgent and primary care centres? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable, Honourable Speaker. And I think uh, uh, the member knows this because um, uh, she's participated in the legislative debate that uh, in primary care networks across BC, we've added 965 FTEs. One can always argue that that's insufficient, but that was directed, Honourable Speaker, and the decisions to hire the people that were hired were directed and supported by local divisions of family practice in all of those cases, such that in the Fraser Northwest uh, uh, primary care network, uh, a very significant hiring was done of mental health supports and counselors, 176, Honourable Speaker, new mental health and addiction workers to support the work that's led by primary care doctors and community. And the reason those decisions were made was that those were the priorities put forward by, by uh, family practice doctors themselves. So we have to continue to do that work, to build team-based care, and to work to address the challenges of the primary care system. The member is quite right. We have the most fee-for-service system in Canada. It's about 80% of our billings, and about 65% of our doctors get more than 80% of their billings from fee-for-service. And that presents very serious challenges in a time of increasing complexity. And that's why we have to work with doctors on these issues, and we are. Leader of the Third Party, supplemental. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. What I find fascinating about these exchanges is that the Minister will talk a lot about inputs. But what we're talking about is the outcomes and the reality that people are facing right now. And, and the fact that it's family doctors who are telling us over and over again that the conditions right now are causing burnout, are causing them to leave their practices, and who suffers the outcomes from that? That is the patients who no longer have access to the longitudinal care that we know provides better health outcomes for people. Family doctors are the backbone of medical care in this province, and British Columbians are better off by having that relationship with a family doctor. We know that good family medicine prevents illness, it promotes well-being, and it saves lives. But this government has done very little to support that relationship 
between doctors and their patients. In fact, those relationships are being severed when doctors are given the option of going to UPCCs. British Columbians are no better off when their relationship to their doctor is severed by the policies of this government. And yes, the minister talks about building this system, this primary care system, but in the meantime, what we need is the protection of the doctors right now who are providing that family care that is so valuable and so essential. The Premier has spoken publicly about the value of his relationship with his family doctor. He should expect that for the citizens of this province that he serves. Millions of British Columbians are at risk of losing their family doctors. What is this Premier going to do to protect that relationship and put solutions in right now? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Chair. The Premier is uh, um, committed to a system of primary care, team-based primary care and community, is committed to ensuring people have access to a family practice doctor. It's why so much priority is given to this area now, has been throughout the pandemic, and will be over the coming days and weeks as we work with family practice doctors on the real challenges that they face. That's what we've done. We have taken day after day, week after week, serious challenges facing our healthcare system in a time of two public health emergencies, two public health emergencies that continue uh, to endure and to face family practice doctors, and everyone in healthcare every day. It's why we've added 30,000 workers to our public healthcare system over two years. Why we're going to continue at every level, doctors and nurses, nurse practitioners and health sciences professionals and healthcare workers to do that work. We're going to continue to do that work to build out team-based care and to support family practice doctors. Because we understand, I understand, not only as someone who lives with a chronic disease, but as Minister of Health and someone who talks to patients every day, the value of family practice medicine, and that's why we're going to continue to take steps to support it. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Instead of protecting our children from earthquakes, the NDP are prioritizing the seismic upgrade of a billion-dollar vanity museum project. Not a single NDP minister has prioritized seismically upgrading the 250 unsafe schools across this province over this vanity museum project. The Minister of Lands won't speak about the Wiccaninish Community School in Tofino. The Minister of Mental Health and Addictions won't speak up for the more than 30 schools in her riding that are seismically unsafe. And the Minister of Tourism Five unsafe schools in her riding, including Grandview and Admiral Seymour Elementary. Will even one of these ministers stand up and do the right thing and call for the cancellation of this billion-dollar vanity museum? Minister of Education. Speaker, and I'll thank the member for the question because I'm, I'm happy to have an opportunity to talk about the unprecedented capital investments our government has made since 2017 in providing safe and more learning spaces for British children. 
250 schools over the last four years, Honourable Speaker. No. What we did was invest $3 billion over the last four years and another $2.6 billion in the next three years to build new schools, to build additions at schools, to provide upgraded HVAC and ventilation, to take care of maintenance, and to seismically mitigate schools. Honourable Speaker, since 2017, we funded 58 projects. There's another uh, number of projects in the hopper. We are committed to accelerating. We've done more seismic upgrade projects Members. since the other side of the House ever did when they were on this side. We have uh, uh, an accelerated plan to spend close to $800 million in the next three years working in partnership with our school districts to ensure that we are delivering more seismically safe seats to students. Thank you. Members. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The minister can say what she wants. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure. Members, I, let's, let's sure, hear the Mr. question, please. I'm not quite sure, Mr. Speaker, why that would get applause. The minister can say what she wants, but. The bottom line for parents is that this NDP government's priority is a billion-dollar vanity museum project instead of student safety. One billion dollars would upgrade half the remaining schools that need seismic upgrading. Even Hume Park Elementary, in the Minister of Education's own riding, is unsafe and in need of seismic upgrades, but she won't speak out on this project. Willows Elementary in Oak Bay is unsafe, but the Minister of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation is silent. Will any minister on the other side of the House stand up for schools in their communities that need seismic upgrading and cancel this vanity museum project? Minister of Education. Th thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I, I, I think the record is, is really clear when we look at the massive investments that we have made Members. against a record that I would say closed schools, slow walked seismic upgrading, cut, you know, I, let's not even get into those. Members. Let's not even. Members. We, we, we can't talk about what actually happened. Over the period of time that you were here in regard to education. We can talk about going to war with teachers and losing in the Supreme Court of Canada. We can talk about lost positions. We can talk about students deprived of spaces to learn and staff to support them. Members. But Members. the last four years, we've invested billions of dollars in building out our education system and we're going to continue to do that work over the next three years with a close to 800 million investment 
for safe schools. And I would note that I think our expectation is that when British Columbia's children visit our provincial museum, which is a place of learning, that they do so in a seismically safe building. Members, opposition house leader. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, and this is what parents are are are, are ta talking about. Parents of children that are in uh, uh, elementary and secondary schools across this uh, this province that are in need of seismic upgrades are, are are begging for this government to provide them with a rational explanation for why this government would prioritize one billion dollars for a vanity museum project in, in the Premier's backyard over seismic upgrading half of the remaining schools that need those upgrades. That's a choice that this government makes. So uh, we, we just heard a, a school at Willows, uh, Willows, Bay, uh, uh, Willows Elementary School in Oak Bay. Uh, if, if the Minister of uh, Indigenous Relations and Rec Reconciliation uh, isn't going to stand up uh, for children in his riding with respect to the seismic upgrades at that elementary school, maybe, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll respond to this scathing statement from the, Sil the Silkwateen uh, Nation, which was released yesterday. They're calling on the NDP to scrap the Premier's billion-dollar vanity museum project. And here's what Chief Joe Alphonse has to say, and I quote, The timing for this nearly $1 billion spending proposal could not be more tone-deaf. It's irresponsible of this government to move ahead with this when so many issues remain unaddressed in this province. End quote. Uh, the Premier's Vanity Museum project is actually quickly becoming uh, one of the most expensive museum projects uh, potentially to ever be built in the, in the world. Um, it's fast becoming a, a, a Fast Ferries uh, 2.0 project, Mr. Speaker. So the question to the Minister of Indigenous Relations uh, is, is this. Is, is the Minister of Indigenous Relations going to listen to the Silkutin? Is he going to listen to the parents uh, of, of Willows Elementary in Oak Bay? And is he going to listen to the overwhelming population in British Columbia that wants this government to scrap the $1 billion Vanity Museum project? Government House Leader. Thank you, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and I thank the member for his question because it's an opportunity to remind the opposition that we have been listening to parents of school kids, we have been listening to parents of families right across this province since day one. When they sat on this side of the house, they quote, had a seismic upgrading program that had a goal. They didn't meet it, so they had to extend it, Honourable Speaker, because they failed to meet their own targets. This side of the house has been investing in Members. seismic upgrading in schools since the day we took office. We have made sure that public infrastructure, whether it is schools, whether it is hospitals, all of those things are seismically upgraded, Honourable Speaker. I'll remind the members on the other side, it doesn't matter whether it's Burnaby Hospital, Dawson Creek Hospital in one of your ridings, Fort St. James Hospital in one of your ridings, Kamloops Royal Inland Hospital in one of your ridings, Terrace Hospital in one of your ridings, members, are all being built to be seismically upgraded on this Members from Kamloops. There are public facilities where kids go to learn they don't think should be seismically upgraded on this. 
the balance quotient period. 